Hey, this is the Piece of Drew podcast. Today I'm talking about static. Uh, I wrote a little piece today on medium.com uh, about static. It actually started out thinking about roots. I remember at the beginning of that piece of writing, I was thinking, what is so important about getting back to our roots? And I'm not talking about homesteading necessarily, although that is a part of it. I am talking about getting back to the root of who we are as people, who we are as a person. Uh, I woke up with crazy... I woke up in a bit of a fluster as I had crazy dreams after binge-watching a bunch of Six Feet Under, which is an amazing show. But it's also overdramatic, hilarious, uh, overly sexual, very morbid. It has, you know, all all the things that, all the boxes that I like to tick in this, in this show. Uh to uh, entertain myself and to enlighten myself. In any case, I woke up a little bit flustered, but one of the first things I started to think about was what are the things, you know, that hold us back from literally just living each day as if it was our last. I, I mean, if you look at everything that I've ever wrote or written, or played or anything drawn anything i've ever done creatively it sort of kind of ties back into the idea of mortality um sort of thinking about the reality that at the end of the day and at the end of our lives there isn't any way to escape dying but i mean Obviously, there's a couple ways to escape dying. One, of course, is to pretend that there's an afterlife. Yes. So we can go ahead and try to do that. That's kind of pointless because it's a fantasy. And like I said in my last podcast that I do talk about fantasies as long as they are adult-themed. And an afterlife for... Human beings is definitely an adult-themed fantasy world. Um, I don't even know what the fuck people think they're doing. They'll be doing in the afterlife forever. It's kind of an insane idea. I think the idea, the concept of human beings is, or anything living, is the idea of mortality. You know, there is a finite part of life and we get to we get to be part of that it's the most amazing thing in the world to negate that is to negate what makes life so precious really so i don't know i don't know what the hell's wrong with people that they think that that's a good idea i mean it's comforting definitely i have a number of my friends that are dead family that are dead pets that are dead ever since i saw my first kitten cat flattened on the pavement and my first doggy being hit by a truck i've been slightly obsessed with death death is always on my mind and that's because otherwise i feel that i cannot appreciate 
life as much as I do and I try to as much as I can. Woke up thinking about how do you separate the wheat from the chaff? How do we get all the good stuff out of life with and ignore all the bad stuff? And that, of course, is a very ridiculous way to look at it. It isn't, it isn't that at all. And in my piece on Medium, I do talk a little bit about how... Um, actually, I'm going to go right to that piece. My, uh, my favorite thing in my piece there is a little quote by A.A. A. Milne, who wrote Winnie the Pooh for his kids. Kid or kids, I can't remember. Uh, the quote is, People say nothing is impossible, but I do nothing every day. Boom. That's kind of funny. That's obviously Winnie the Pooh talking in that quote. Uh, and if there's one protagonist in the literary world that advocates doing nothing, it would be Winnie the Pooh. And I think we need more people advocating for doing absolutely fucking nothing because it's good for the soul. We live in a 24-7, 120% effort, energy, um, busyness. Actually, we live in a, in a world that fetishizes busyness to the point of ridiculousness, considering mortality. Um, so really, I just wanted to talk about a couple things that I concluded in the article, and that would be that, a quote I got from Joe Rogan's podcast slash Instagram account, um, and the quote is, how you work is how you play. Boom. That is not the quote. That is my quote that I came up with in my piece. But the quote from Joe Rogan is, how you do anything is how you do everything. And I'm sure that's been around, floating around here and there. And the idea is pretty simple, basically. And that's why I came up with the how you work is how you play. It's this. These things aren't separated. These two concepts are not diametric. They don't live on opposite poles of the spectrum. So what I mean by that is... For instance, I farm for a living, so I go outside and I I do hard chores that are dirty and hurt my body. And a lot of things are difficult. Wet, mud, snow, blizzards, rain, wind, um, death, disease, um, escapees, etc., etc. There's a lot of difficulty in in farming. And there's a lot of difficulty in being a nurse, and there's a lot of difficulty in being a waitress, and there's a lot of difficulty in being many, many things. It doesn't really matter which things. It's kind of a universal problem. But I've come to the realization that the way we interact with those problems, those things that we consider problems, is how we interact with everything else anyways. So... Why not kind of step one step above the idea that this over here is work and this over here is play and just do everything. Basically, it comes down to just do everything how you do anything. So 
I wanted to read a quote by a man named Robert M. Persig, who wrote Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, an Inquiry into Values. This man um, wrote this book actually in my old neighborhood in southeast Minneapolis when he was around 30, 35-ish, I think, um, after having somewhat of a mental breakdown and he sort of immortalized his mental issues and philosophical concepts in this book that has two halves, one half being his actual motorcycle journey to the West Coast with his son and the other half being his philosophical inquiry into the meaning of a life and values and what matters. Um, it, it was a huge hit. I recommend getting it on uh, audio tape or video, whatever the hell, audiobooks. I don't have, it could be on audible.com, I suppose. Um, it, so the quote is, the test of the machine is the satisfaction it gives you. There isn't any other test. If the machine produces tranquility, it's right. If it disturbs you, it's wrong until either the machine or your mind is changed. Yep, that's about right. That quote is kind of subtly profound in that on one hand it's talking about how the test of what happiness is is simply the satisfaction that it gives you, meaning it's kind of up to you, you know? It's a little bit up to the machine, and a little, but mostly up to you. Essentially, what it's saying is you can change variables to make whatever the thing is better for you, but ultimately, it's going to be up to you to enjoy it and be satisfied and happy with what you have. When I read that quote, I was kind of reminded of another quote by another local, a Midwestern local, Aldo Leopold, author of the Stan, a Stan County Almanac. Almanac. Um, and this quote is from his Land Ethic, which is simple enough, but somewhat revolutionary as well. The quote is, Examine each question in terms of what is ethically and aesthetically right as well as what is economically expedient. A thing is right when it tends to preserve the integrity, stability, and beauty of the biotic community. It is wrong when it tends otherwise. A zaboom bam bang See, that's pretty awesome shit, man. And it's so simple. Uh, his focus is on the land. What what is good and bad in terms of how does your actions affect the biotic community, biotic community. Um, and all of this is kind of funneled into another quote by a guy named Albert Einstein, who you may know of. This quote is, imagination is more important than knowledge. For knowledge is limited, whereas imagination embraces the entire world, stimulating progress, giving birth to evolution. So in this, this idea he's talking about is that evolution itself is the 
act of creation, creativity embodied by the physical world. Um, all in all, these quotes together kind of made me think about the fact that we create our lives. We create our happiness or our sadness on a day-to-day basis to some large degree that is hard to estimate, really. Um, We create it, we make it good or bad. Sometimes it takes a while for us to understand this truth. And when we do, though, we have to come to some decision as author... Anais Nin uh, commented in this quote, And the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. And that day is now, for me, for you, really. Can't say it enough, really, that that moment is now. What we have only is a few breaths. A few breaths and a few more breaths, and then we pass on into another place. We die. Our bodies, our physical bodies die. And I can't really speak on if there is something beyond that. I, I highly doubt it. There's no proof, no evidence, no scientific proof on that. So I will just stick with what seems to be the reality, which is we stop existing and we die. And we go into the soil and we feed other things. Everybody, all life feeds other life. And that's the constant circle that exists on this planet. I wanted to read you this poem by by a guy named Rumi. He lived, oh, quite a while ago. I don't get tired of you. Don't grow weary of being compassionate toward me. All this thirst equipment must surely be tired of me. The water jar, the water carrier. Show me the way to the ocean. Break these half measures, these small containers. All this fantasy and grief. Let my house be drowned in the wave that rose last night out of the courtyard, hidden in the center of my chest. Joseph fell like the moon into my well. The harvest I expected was washed away, but no matter. A fire has risen above my tombstone hat. I don't want learning or dignity or respectability. I want this music and this dawn and the warmth of your cheek against mine. The grief armies assemble, but I'm not going with them. This is how it always is when I finish a poem. A great silence overcomes me, and I wonder why I ever thought to use language. Rumi's touching on the inevitability that whatever we try to express, whatever we go through at the same time, it is all shared. There is an undercurrent of understanding that all of the human experience is a shared event. And there is some complete and total pointlessness in attempting to express or create anything because it has all been done before. But that is actually no 
real excuse to not do the thing that you want to do, that you need to do. Because that is what makes the world go, go around. That is the creative spark that drives evolution that both Rumi and Einstein were talking about. So on this Saturday, a beautiful day, wonderfully sunny out there, uh, kind of warm and muddy. It's December and uh, I'm not, I don't think we're used to this warmish December weather, but uh, you know, here we have it. We all need to go outside and take a walk or simply just stand for five seconds to five minutes to five hours. Just stand outside. Just stand inside. Just look out, look in. It's just the rhythm of life, guys. So yeah, I hope you have a great weekend. This is Drew with the Peace of Drew podcast on SoundCloud. Hope you have a great life. Take her easy. Ciao.